At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the Gillette Health Podcast. Um... I'm Dr. Kyle Gillette. This is where we give you the tools to develop a balanced approach to health. This episode is a bit different, a uh, mini episode, if you will. We're going to be talking about overrated and underrated supplements. And by overrated, we mean they're overrated for the indication that they're generally used for. That doesn't necessarily mean we don't like them. Um, some of my favorite supplements are probably overrated. And some supplements that I really don't use or like a lot are underrated. So, um, for simplicity, if you can see this, this red would mean overrated, and this green would mean underrated. The funny thing is, looking in the camera, can't really see that. Can't see it at all. Yeah. So, so I think these are we out. Might, we might not use those. So, <laughs> um, I just looked. I was like, uh. somewhere in between. This was uh, so that, uh, and this is our initial reaction. So David does not know what I'm going to ask him, and then when you ask me about medications, I will also not know. So it's our initial impression. Um, a lot of times it's easy to say, oh, well, in between, you know, it depends. So this was a way that we were going to try to make ourselves put our nickel down on overrated or underrated. Yeah. We'll just do our best to delineate. So I figured what better, better way to figure out overrated or underrated supplements by the Amazon most popular supplements. They have a couple categories. They have weight loss. They have diet, sports, and nutrition. Um, and we'll just go category by category. So the first cool. is by weight loss. Number one is the Dr. Tobias Colon Cleanse for weight loss. It has psyllium husk and cinnamon. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> by, by weight loss, does that mean they're trying to lose body weight? Or do, I like by weight loss, to me, that means they're trying to lose body fat. Yes, it, to me, weight loss is body fat loss. So way overrated, right. way overrated, like not even close. Yes. Why is that? You'll lose weight if you I, take a bunch of laxatives. You know, absolutely. You know, you have to wake up and poop success, you know? Um, <laughs> number two is a blender bottle. So I don't, I don't get that one. Number three, apple cider vinegar gummies. Underrated. I like apple cider vinegar for sure. As for, for weight for loss, weight for weight loss, loss overrated. That, oh, yeah. overrated. I forgot that they were marketing it for weight loss. Yeah. Overrated. I, it says formulated to support weight loss efforts. No. So yeah, overrated. underrated supplement, but um, yeah, that is <laughs> that is infuriating that it says formulated to support weight loss efforts. Uh, next, an Atkins protein meal bar. Overrated. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a meal bar is kind of a, a, you know, 
little bit of a non sequitur. Um, anyway, a bar is not a meal, by the way. It can replace a meal, but it's not a meal. Um, next one is oxygen digestive, sin- digestive system cleanser capsules. Overrated. I have never heard of Another this. cleansing supplement. Oh, way overrated, I agree. <laughs> oh, man, this is a rough list. Gosh. Next, another oxygen cleanser. That's the same. Okay. The next one, Orlistat. Hmm. This is interesting because this one has had some huge swings. I don't I'm still going with overrated. I mean, I'm very keen on what works and what does it for weight loss from an actual relative and a clinical perspective. Overrated. The way I see Orlistat is it it does work. It's not fantastic. There's a lot of better options for something and Orlistat is also a prescription. They have Zenical, which is like an extended release Orlistat, which you don't want to take it for a long period of time, but for the right patient, it definitely has good efficacy, but it has a lot of side effects. So a lot of fatty stools is the main side effect, like floating, diarrhea, and gastric distress. But if you have um, not a ton of fat consumption, then it's, I guess it's an extra incentive for that. Five, 10 years ago, way overrated because everybody was on it. Now, almost well, apparently there is a decent amount of people on it, but there is way fewer people on this just because everybody gets their GLP-1 at a med spa now. Yeah. I mean, G- GLP-1, if we, yeah. I mean, I would have a stance on that too. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, that's an interesting one. The next one is a thermogenic fat burner, and they do not say even one of the ingredients on the front. So let's go to the back. Yeah. Um, Take a tally do... list. And it's going to be a blend, of course. 270 migs caffeine. Oh, okay. Um, 700 migs L-carnitine as okay. a weight loss supplement. Okay. 450 of green tea, presumably with EGCG, but they don't say if it is. And then Capsimax and then Biopurine because every supplement has to have that for bioavailability, right? Sure. I'd say underrated. That's actually, I don't know if I would have the dosing definitely differently, probably lower on the caffeine, increase on the the green tea extract for sure. And then, yeah, I, I think that's an effective weight loss supplement, fat loss supplement. A bit better than just drinking enough black coffee to total 300 mix of caffeine. Yes. So if the, you know, the price is certainly higher than it, but yeah, definitely better efficacy than that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's usually not drinking 300 mix of caffeine and black coffee or that. It's like drinking 700 mix of caffeine from coffee and espresso or that. So in that case, I would say that's objectively a a better option, but any stimulant, of course, is not going to be side effect free. Um, Next is probiotic strains with green tea and cayenne. Oh man. Uh, Weight management probiotics. (sighs) Overrated. Overrated. Yep. For sure. Uh, Slim fast protein shake. Overrated. Um, Knack. Ooh. That might be not categorized right. Sure. N-acetylcysteine. You know, NAC is probably hands down one of the best supplements out there. That's why they tried to make it a medication. It was too good to be a supplement. So they tried to ban it. (laughs) Crazy enough. So, however, there are some potential effects that could actually help with fat loss um downstream effects more so so i would just say 
uh, just because it's such a good supplement that it's uh, underrated. I like it. Um, it's I think it's just mischaracterized as yes. a, as a um, weight loss supplement. So this I is agree. a really this next one is a very interesting. Um, I guess uh, the other side of the spectrum from the probiotic for weight loss, a uh, broad spectrum prebiotic and soluble dietary fiber for weight loss. Amazing for weight loss as from a dietary standpoint. However, as far as fat loss goes, overrated. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, From a health standpoint, like you mentioned, um, 90% of Americans do not get enough fiber. And if you stack multiple types of fiber together, then that can be particularly helpful. So yeah. Yeah, um, From that standpoint, it would be underrated, in my opinion, from overall health. It does not make me angry in any way to to see that in the list. Um, Let's see. We'll do a couple more here in this list. Um, Another apple cider vinegar. Another Atkins bar. Mm, um, man. No, maybe that's about it from this list. There's another probiotic. Uh, keto gummies. Keto supplements and keto in general. How about that? We just talked about this in our last podcast. Yep. Overrated. So uh, when you go keto, uh, you're going to lose, you know, all your glycogen, all the water that follows the glycogen. So if you lose a pound of glycogen, then you lose five more pounds of water. So very common to see huge changes uh, with that. So... Um, let's see, endurance and energy. I'm interested. There's going to be a lot of caffeine on that list. (laughs) Electrolytes. Oh, uh, underrated. Sure. Why not? I can, I can go with that. Uh, pretty popular now. There's a lot of these like Mm -hmm. various startups like LMNT and many others for electrolytes, but, um, no, I think that's good. It's being popularized lately, but I still consider Uh underrated. Oh gosh. Amino lean BCAA with natural caffeine. I'm just going to go with overrated. Yeah. I have to. Um, that's that's a bit of a vestige of times past. Yes. Um, and next one is a pre-workout with vitamin D, creatine, beta alanine, and caffeine. Sure. Okay. Uh, underrated. I'm good with that. Uh, next one's the same thing. Okay, here's an interesting one. Maca root. Peruvian maca root. Specifically in the endurance and energy category. Yeah, I would say overrated in that category in particular. Great supplement, overrated in that category. Great supplement. Um, Maca is also one of the supplements. This is a teaser for a future video. In our list of supplements that we like with no well-characterized mechanism of action. So, a bit of a teaser there. We'll leave it at that. Looking forward to tuning in. Organic honey. Organic honey for endurance? Yep. Honey uh, in a waffle form. I I, I, th- I, think they're stretching a little bit there. I, I'll just go with underrated due to the fact that most people don't have enough carbs before they're going for exercise. Yeah. I had not heard of that. Uh, like I heard of things like you can or like beta cluster dextrin, like uh, slow release carbs and cliff bars. Cliff bars is the next one. How about that? <laughs> Overrated. Yeah, very common. So again, a good supplement, but yep. um, you know, if you're, uh, by the way, good rule of thumb is if you're an elite cyclist or if you're like running marathons, if you're exercising for, uh, let's say more than 30 minutes or certainly more than an hour, there's a good chance that if you were a high level athlete, then uh, consuming 
good carbohydrate sources is going to be performance enhancing. Yep, absolutely. It's a m- number one limiting factor for recovery um, in between playing your sport. Here's a good one. Um, a 100 count of caffeine tablets for $7 with free shipping. That's an expensive caffeine supplement. No, actually, that's not that bad. That's not too bad. I actually, so my effective dosage, in my opinion, for when you're talking about endurance sports and actually performance is going to be 100 milligrams to 200 milligrams of caffeine. So I think that's a fine dosage. Mm -hmm. And I would say underrated. People actually underrate how effective caffeine is Mm -hmm. for even from a cognition standpoint. So underrated. Nice. Um, Okay, this one is already uh, is triggering. Still a word? Can I say that? Triggering. Yes. This one's already. Tri- this is already triggering me. Oh, no. Physicians' choice with choice all in caps. Organic ashwagandha. Nineteen fifty migs with black pepper extract because every supplement has to have a huge amount of black pepper extract <laughs> for bioavailability. Um, for I guess for endurance. endurance? So. This is this is a weird one for me. So I'm going to go with overrated. However, if you have ashwagandha paired properly, the only response that they've seen with muscle soreness is a cortisol response, potentially. The only correlation. And it's not a science, it's a correlation. Mm-hmm. So ashwagandha can be awesome for cortisol response. However, you definitely want a cortisol response yeah. when you're doing a sport. <laughs> Yeah. Um, again, that one may have been mischaracterized. Um, and with ashwagandha, I'd like to start with a lower dose and um, likely without the black pepper fruit extract. Um, so this next one, I may be personally responsible slightly uh, along with friends for, um, I would say this supplement is no longer underrated for sure. So, and again, I, I didn't know what was coming up. It's interesting that it's for endurance. Oh, male performance and endurance. Okay, this is okay. This is an interesting one. Solar Ray Tonkat Ali, four hundred milligrams. <laughs> what? Why did you popularize it so much? Um, it used to be underrated. It's no it longer underrated. And now I think it's actually almost leaning towards the overrated side of things more so than anything else. I think it's I, definitely I would overrated wanna, now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a hard time saying it's overrated, but it's not it's, underrated. It's not underrated. Literally, everybody is talking about it. It is a really, really good supplement. I put it um, <laughs> right in the middle. So this is one of the ones that I'm not going to choose a, yeah. a red or a green. It used to be underrated. Yeah. Yes. Um, I would say part of the reason why it's no longer underrated is because people still don't understand the mechanism. Um, it is likely a phytoandrogen and it does upregulate um, steroidogenesis cascade enzymes, both adrenally and gonadally. Um, so in both testes and in the ovary, but um, the initial data that it was a CERM or an aromatase inhibitor does not look very promising, especially in vivo, um, in both human and preclinical data. So anyway, we can move on from that. We've done lots of podcasts. I don't even know if, like from an endurance standpoint, an athletic standpoint, like using an, using a CERM from that standpoint, if you're looking for muscle growth, like you yep. wouldn't even really want that. Yeah. Um, anyway, last one in this category, Guarana. The natural herbal Brazilian caffeine source, I guess, but also... Probably pharmacodynamically active outside of caffeine. Yeah, I would say that it's underrated because you can stack it with caffeine into the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a different way of accomplishing a stimulatory effect for yep. um, athletic performance. 
I'd probably go to, like we mentioned earlier, probably go to things like EGCG or even Dynamine before Guarana, mm -hmm. but because it's not super common, yeah, I'd have to agree, underrated. Um, all right, uh, let's do another category. We could do sports nutrition, or we could do nutrition bars and drinks. Oh gosh, stay so away from bars and drinks because I'm going to roast everyone. Okay, sports nutrition for 500. <laughs> there we go. Or maybe we, let's, how about we go to nutrition bars and drinks? <laughs> okay. They're all just going to be overrated. Though, They're right? all going to be overrated. Okay, every single not, one. let's not do that then. <laughs> Never mind, we're going to sports nutrition Spoiler alert. for 500. Um, okay, this one, this one might be a bit easier. Um, hydrolyzed protein powder, whey. <laughs> it's, it's actually way underrated. It used to be overrated. Now it's underrated. People, pro, I mean, I'll, I'll give my protein is one of my two favorite supplements for performance. I think that is a reasonable outlook. Um, most people for a, uh, like this is specifically for sports nutrition. Yep. Um, well served by giving some protein in earlier on in the day. Um, next, uh, Adkins bar again. <laughs> overrated. Keto friendly though, still overrated. Ah, there we go. Definitely under overrated. Keto though. friendly. Yeah. Is um, it carnivore friendly? Nice. Ooh, these I actually like. Quest Nutrition Protein Chips. Oh, those are underrated. They're so good. They're and good. No digestive distress. It's like one of the few protein mm -hmm. things out there that I will actually eat. I have some at my house right now. Yep. It's a guilty pleasure for sure. Yes. Anything crispy, cheesy. Oh, it's just have so you good. had the taco ones? I don't know. I'm not mm. sure. They, they're I'll, under, I'll check them out. Check, they're, they're really good. Those and the sour cream are really good. I also like um, high protein, low sugar pop tarts. Okay. I always like to give James that because give him crap about his pop tart bulk. That's so fun. Wait, is that what he's doing for his bulk? No, um, <laughs> he he did that many years ago. That's so funny. He did a pop tart bulk. You it don't worked. Work. You gained a lot of uh, body weight. <laughs> yeah, buddy. That's yeah. In, in the weight loss category, right? Versus weight gain category. Certainly. Um, so here we have another electrolyte powder. We already kind of talked about those. Yeah, I think from a performance standpoint, from an athletic performance standpoint, I still consider them underrated even with them being popularized. I just think that you should be getting more sodium through your actual diet mm -hmm. and not have to rely on drinking electrolytes during your sport. However, yep. they're still underrated in my opinion. Interested to get your view on this plant-based protein powder. If I'm comparing it to a true pure whey isolate, it's way overrated. However, if you are a vegan on a vegan diet or a plant-based diet, it is way underrated. So it depends on the spectrum that you're looking at. So I'd consider it underrated because most likely the person that's going to be buying that is going to be vegan or plant-based and they need more protein, whole proteins. Yeah, that makes sense. That's kind of a tough one because that's a, a polarizing topic. So, you know, for some people, it's probably overrated. For some people, it's probably underrated. Uh, for me personally, people know that I like my plant-based protein plus collagen in the evening because less mTOR activation sure. while sleeping. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess... Uh, to be fair, this is the sports and performance section, so um, not uh, a true replacement So, uh, for whey protein. Uh, going on down, uh, more electrolytes. There's tons of companies now that There's have so electrolytes. Um, I think LMNT calls their uh, affiliates salt 
miners or something like that. Salt sellers, they they have something funny. I, I just kind of like it. But. So I was filming a video one time and I salt my food super heavily, especially when I'm dieting down. Mm-hmm. And I dropped a joke just saying it. I was like, salt is life. Well, I was really dieted down. So I was like a zombie anyways. And then they started making a meme out of me that salt is life. Nice. Um, the next one, I, I know that we've discussed this before, L-glutamine. Apparently in the sports and performance section. I would still consider underrated. I think that L-glutamine is probably a top, definitely a top 10 supplement, maybe almost a top five supplement, but you have to pair with something to make it for performance basis, in my personal yeah. opinion. Yeah. Really should be under the, the health section. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Um, let's do one more. Let's find a good one. All right. Number 23, um, original BCAA powder. We've already talked about this yeah, one too. Yeah, overrated. Yeah, uh, I can't believe that. Like, this is Amazon's real most sold list. So, definitely a lot of disappointing things on there, and definitely a lot of reassuring things. I actually had a really interesting conversation with someone that owned a supplement company, and they still sell BCAAs due to the fact that it must have been the amount of money and marketing that went into BCAAs hmm. versus essential amino acids, which they're the same price usually. Hmm. But I would lean into an EAA all day over BCAA. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely agree with that. Um, supplements are really interesting because, as we mentioned, there's ebbs and flows. So one supplement like Tongkat or Fidoja will be very underrated and then um, kind of swing back the other, other way. Um, another supplement that that's done with, and I know we've talked about this before as well, is ectosterone. It's like beta ectosterone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously very overrated when they were getting all the hype and they were on Joe Rogan all the time. Um, what's happening with those supplements recently? And um, yeah, I guess what's your your view on niche use cases? So if you're talking from an athletic performance standpoint, and especially like in the bodybuilding space, it's way overrated. I think that everyone's trying to squeeze everything out of their performance that they can. And my two favorite supplements... Whey isolate and creatine. Creatine is the most underrated supplement. It used to be the most overrated supplement. It's the most underrated supplement and not any special type of creatine. Creatine monohydrate. Save yep. yourself the money. There's a lot more studies that point to it being the best form of creatine. However, ectosteroids, I would not spend the money on. There's also a sourcing issue. That is another major issue with ectosteroids. Until there's more clinical data and stuff like that that comes out to pointing towards it, sure. I think if you're pathwaying, maybe and on a bio-individual level, there could be a used case for it. And I think you and I have had a conversation around that, that there may be a used case for it if you're pathwaying heavily mm-hmm. uh, down the, it's it's the beta estrogen receptor, right? Yeah, the beta estradiol receptor. Um, it certainly is an agonist at this receptor. And we know that uh, in clinical data, it certainly leads to a higher amount of lean body mass, which is likely mostly just water that's pushed into the tissue. But if you think about a lot of performance enhancing compounds, like D-ball, a lot of the performance, and again, that's not necessarily a bodybuilding uh, drug. It's more of a strength and powerlifting um, PED. And for some people that have very low estradiol, like uh, someone who's uh, a natural power lifter that's like dieting down to make a meat, if they take that, there's a couple of things to take into account. They will likely be stronger, but they'll likely retain more water and more body weight, which might make it harder. So perhaps you take it 
uh, and like a mega dose right after you make weight. That could be an interesting use case. My favorite candidate for this um, is a patient population that probably doesn't listen to a lot of more plates, more dates. Postmenopausal females with breast cancer that are on aromatase inhibitors that mm-hmm. have rock bottom estradiol levels. Sure. Um, you know, they're great candidates for beta estradiol receptor agonists, given that the alpha estradiol receptor is in the breast tissue. And that's the one that you don't want to agonize. So theoretically, that could even help um, agonize beta estradiol receptor in bone and tissue like that. Just a good case of um, uh, individualizing a supplement regimen. Yeah. D-ball, I think, is just a garbage anabolic steroid. I think, like, there, there's so You're many... such a bodybuilder. I, it, it's just bad. Like, it, it's... It's methylated estrogen essentially is all that it is. And like you have anadrol, which I think is better, even from a strength perspective, in my personal opinion. Not a health perspective, though. Not a health perspective. I mean, default is not either. Yeah, if you're comparing it, and um, we'll have a separate podcast talking yeah, yeah, about we'll talk. or underrated synthetics, both estrogens, progestogens, and androgens. So tune into our after hours podcast. Uh, for that, maybe we should just call it Gillette Health Unhinged or something else. Yeah, but, that'd be awesome. Uh, and type in the comments if you have a suggestion for what we call our after-hours non-clinical podcast, aimed mostly for entertainment. But um, yeah, that'll be a fun uh, fun thing to dive into. Yeah, so I get to ask you about the top medications now, right? Yep, it is time. <laughs> Welcome back to the second part of the Gillette Health mini podcast, where we give you tools to develop a balanced approach to health. I'm Dr. Kyle Gillette, and uh, David is here to ask me about overrated and underrated medications. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I've been actually waiting to uh, do something like this with you for a few months now. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> number one, these are the most prescribed drugs in 2022. Number one, vitamin D. Uh, I'll say underrated. I would 100% agree with you there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that we could get into with vitamin D and individuals who shouldn't be taking too much synthetic vitamin D, but in general, that is underrated. Curious, if you prescribe someone vitamin D, what is usually the used case and the dosage that you would do that? It depends on how low the vitamin D level is. If somebody, I do load vitamin D, let's say their vitamin D, their 25 hydroxy vitamin D level in the serum is uh, seven. So that individual is certainly getting at least 50,000 units taken with fat, um, maybe even more than once a week. But a lot of times the day after that, they're taking at least 50,000 units, whether it's a prescription or whether it's a supplement. Now, after that, if you still didn't see their vitamin D going up, would you check for methylation issues? And in my lab panels, as people can see on our website, um, uh, pretty much every lab is going to assess if they have methylation issues. Cool. So, yep, and renal issues as well. Given that 25-hydroxy vitamin D, of course, needs to convert to 125-hydroxy vitamin D. And then a lot of times I check calcium and phosphorus. So the level of those two, along with the parathyroid hormone, will tell you a lot about your vitamin D cycle. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Cool homeostasis. Amoxicillin, a number two. I'd say amoxicillin is underrated. Um, it's pr- it is very likely overprescribed, but underrated partly just because um, unless you have, uh, I believe it's non-tippable or type B hemophilus influenza, um, that is one of the ones that requires a, a higher dose of amoxicillin or augmentin. Augmentin is amoxicillin with clavulonic acid, which is the antibiotic most notorious for causing diarrhea. And not all infections, not all sinus infections require that amoxicillin with clavulonic acid. Often you do not need to include the clavulonic acid for beta-lactamase-resistant bacteria right off the bat. If you're someone who's at risk of beta-lactamase-resistant bacteria, and if you don't know, then ask your doctor if you are, then um, that would be a better case for amoxicillin. Oh my gosh, number three, levothyroxine. Levothyroxine, okay. Um, Man, from the medical community, I guess levothyroxine is overrated in, uh, for anybody else, whether it's laymen, people in the fitness industry, um, anybody that is not a medical doctor or nurse practitioner, I would say levothyroxine is underrated actually. Sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, among, among medical doctors, levothyroxine, um, even just generic levothyroxine, you know, just, you have somebody that has, um, no capability of producing thyroid hormone. Let's say they've had a total thyroidectomy. Um, even if that patient is not on any source of T3 whatsoever, whether it's cytomel or desiccated thyroid, then they're probably a good candidate to consider one of the brand name um, thyroid hormones. That way you're not getting it from different manufacturers with different ingredients that are absorbed very differently. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Lisinopril. Lisinopril is a bit overrated. Um, you know, it's not a bad medication, but ACE inhibitors do cause a bit more dysregulation of something called bradykinin, which is a, uh, a cytokine. It can cause a, what's known as an ACE inhibitor-induced cough. So for a lot of individuals, ARBs might be better options. ARBs do have their own unique downsides as well. Um, lisinopril does have uses other than hypertension, like nephroprotection. For example, someone has an ApoL1 polymorphism or if someone has... Um, uh, like mild CKD, then it c- can uh, situationally be used. 
but uh, it is very commonly prescribed and pretty much everybody just defaults right to lisinopril. So um, a bit overrated. So essentially, would you say underrated for heart disease though? Or so overrated because um, you lean into an ARB? For heart disease, it's, it's useful if you have hypertension or if you're right on the borderline between prehypertension and hypertension. Um, ACEs and ARBs aren't, uh, a lot of people just kind of like want to be on an ACE or an ARB. These are blood pressure medicines, by the way, just because they've heard that it can prevent heart attacks and strokes, but, um, it's benefit preventing heart attacks and strokes is that it's going to control blood pressure. And then secondary to that, it's going to help with, um, heart attack and stroke prevention. Perfect. So, um, don't just jump on an ACE or an ARB. Um, even if you're on an androgen, and you have some RAS dysregulation that's expected. If you don't have even prehypertension, then you don't likely need to be on an ACE or an ARB. You'll like this one. Number five, ibuprofen. Oh, overrated for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Ibuprofen's an NSAID. It, <clears throat> it can cause gastric irritation. It can cause hepatic and renal damage as well. And it delays uh, healing of collagen and ligaments and tendons. Um, that being said, you know, if you have an ache or a pain one time, then it's not un unreasonable to take a single ibuprofen. But chronic NSAID use is kind of the same thing as like chronic steroid use, um, corticosteroid use in that case, um, where uh, you should find another option. Yeah, I think, uh, isn't ibuprofen rated as the number one most dangerous drug in the world? I wouldn't be surprised. Number six, amphetamine. So uh, amphetamines, that's like dextroamphetamine, levoamphetamine, Adderall is a mix mm -hmm. of amphetamines. Um, number six in the world. I did not know it was so high. I didn't know it was either. Yeah. Kind of caught me off guard. Um, I suppose I'd say overrated because almost everybody who has ADHD gets put on this. There's so many other options other than Adderall, um, including non-pharmacologic options, but there's a lot of other pharmacologic options. And the incidence of comorbidities like a uh, tendency to have OCPD, which is uh, OCD type symptoms, but not debilitating, um, or tendency to be uh, like hypersomnolent or hypersympathetic, which is hyper fight or flight. There's a lot of other things to keep in mind. Um, a pretty high incidence of uh, um, sleep disorders like sleep apnea in adult ADHD. So there's a lot of other options. Again, it's not a bad medication, but it's hard not to call something overrated when it's a, a top 10 prescribed med. Oh, I'm gonna butcher this one. Uh, amlodipine. Amlodipine, so this is a calcium channel blocker. Um, I kind of think <clears throat> of it as the, um, in a similar category of lisinopril. Calcium channel blockers um, in general are one of the go-to uh, more first line medications for those who have um, hypertension or high blood pressure. Um, amlodipine is also nice because individuals who have Raynaud's phenomenon, that's kind of cold fingertips and, and toes, uh, they turn purple and white uh, or red. Um, amlodipine can also help with that. And then uh, individuals with certain ethnic backgrounds, um, like African-Americans, can benefit from calcium channel blockers more than they can in general for hypertensive purposes with amlodipine. So um, uh, can I say neither? It's neither overrated nor underrated. Um, yeah, it's, it's reasonable to use as a first line therapy. 
let's say slightly overrated because I see a lot of men on TRT that are on amlodipine as monotherapy. And that's okay. usually not addressing the root cause of the hypertension. Okay. If you have hypertension sure. and you're on TRT, so you have a like a high, presumably a mid to high normal steady state of androgen, you're going to have uh, dysregulation of your renin angiotensin aldosterone system known as RAAS, RAS. And for that, your root cause medication would be an ACER and ARB. Cool. I was kind of surprised by this one. Abuterol. Albuterol. Um, so I guess albuterol is underrated. Um, yeah, albuterol is most commonly used in inhaled format. So ProAir is a generic albuterol inhaler. And individuals with asthma or respiratory disease or COPD use inhaled beta agonists. Um, yeah, I suppose I could say uh, underrated. I think I remember my friend uh, Derek, he has a More Plates, More Dates channel, made a video about the soccer team with Liverpool. And I think it was something like more than 50% of soccer players that played for Liverpool happened to have asthma and happened to be on <laughs> albuterol of some sort. So albuterol is certainly a performance enhancing drug. Um, but uh, that being said, I guess you could make the case that if you have bronchoconstriction or bronchospasm, then um, albuterol is kind of just leveling the playing field anyway. So yeah. underrated. Cool. All right. Ooh. Prednisone. Uh, prednisone is probably overrated. Um, I get, what's the joke in uh, dermatology? Uh, you know, if you have a, a lesion or a rash, then, you know, you either try an antibiotic or a steroid. And then if it doesn't work, then start the one that you didn't do initially and then see if it works. So um, that being said, there are certainly cases of using prednisone. For example, if you have terrible poison ivy or toxicodendron in your eyes and in your face and everywhere else, then, and you know, it's just going to get way, way worse than starting to, you know, something like a 21 day steroid taper is very reasonable. If you have um, an inflammatory arthritis, then certainly, um, you know, maybe that's a case where an NSAID, like let's say you have a newly diagnosed inflammatory arthritis, whether it's rheumatoid or whether it is psoriatic arthritis, some sort of inflammatory autoimmune related arthritis, usually antibody positive. Um, in that case, some people will recommend essentially injected glucocorticoid like prednisone for months. So maybe in that case, an NSAID is a less harm option than that. But a lot of times, you know, let's say you have a severe COPD exacerbation or you have really severe croup in a pediatric child, the, the downside of not prescribing a glucocorticoid, even a short course, um, is going to be less than the upside of preventing a hospitalization. Sure. That makes complete sense. Good rule of thumb, by the way, both for <laughs> glucocorticoids, which are like prednisone, dexamethasone, methylprednisolone, which is medrol. People hear about like medrol dose packs mm -hmm. or empiric antibiotics. So those are, you know, amoxicillin, augmentin, doxycycline, certainly fluoroquinolones. These are really supposed to be used as last resort. Unfortunately, we have a lot of people who are not particularly healthy in our healthcare system. Just look at how many people are admitted to a hospital um, in an average year, like the average person is admitted to a hospital um, much more than you'd think over the course of one year. Those medications are of last resort, which means they are used to prevent hospitalization or used during hospitalization. Um, that being said, most people get prescribed those medicines when they're in walk-in clinics. Prednisone is one of the harder 
drugs to recover someone from, they have been on it for long-term use from personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially women on a hormonal standpoint, the hormone mm-hmm. dysfunction that comes from it has always been pretty brutal to recover from. So cool. Let's see. We're on number 10. Oh, I'd be curious on this one. Gabapentin. I didn't realize it was number 10. That's high up. Yeah, that does seem pretty high. Um, I think it's underrated because there's a lot of indications other than neuropathic pain that you can use it for. So you can use it for muscle spasm. You can use it for individuals um, trying to help wean off benzodiazepines like Xanax or Ativan that they're on chronically or clonopin. You can also use it as an adjunct to other pain therapies. If you have pain or an injury, for example, a back injury to where there is some component of uh, poor sleep or insomnia or spasms, then you can add on gabapentin and the requirement for pain medication will go significantly down. Even something like a kidney stone where they're also feeling that their back is spasming as well or it's shooting in different areas, you can add on an adjunct gabapentin. There's been a lot of studies done on uh, opioid prescribing and an adjunct of gabapentin, if they're, again, if it seems like a reasonable addition, can significantly decrease the total morphine equivalents over a certain period of time. So, um, uh, and also in Europe, they use gabapentin um, to, by the way, the um, brand name for that is uh, Neurontin, but they use gabapentin for alcohol withdrawal to decrease withdrawal seizures. Um, so there's a lot of different uses for uh, gabapentin. It, it is technically an anti-epileptic as well, so it can be useful as an add-on for people with epilepsy. Um, underrated. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, I never used gabapentin until coming out of my dysesterecti surgery, and it was it was a conjunction of a few different uh, pain, I guess, killers, so to say, but they avoided complete opioids, and it was, I will say it was the most painful surgery I ever recovered from, but the yeah. pain while I was on it was basically null and void. Um, the issue is when they cut through you, you have nerves that have to heal. And mm-hmm. that's, um, so gabapentin was a unique one for me. So now curious, gabapentin versus NSAIDs, ibuprofen. Let's do ibuprofen since that was on the list. Where would you rate them? And can, like, what would you lean into? Uh, either one of those. If it was a, um, an injury where inflammation is at, is at play, for example, let's say you have, um, you have a bit of, lateral epicondylitis, you, um, you know, you're playing pickleball and you take 200 migs of ibuprofen and it kind of just like instantly knocks it out. Mm-hmm. Then that's going to work a bit better than gabapentin. Um, but in general for, if somebody needs to be on a medication for chronic use, gabapentin is likely going to have less adverse effects. By the way, you do seem like, um, one of the few male individuals who would have a lot of sympathy for females that have had a C-section because, uh, um, repair of diastasis recti uh, kind of reminds me of recovery from a cesarean. Diastasis recti was brutal to recover from. Um, I will say the surgery was well worth it. I only had a one finger gap. However, whenever I would go to hug someone, I would actually feel it hit out mm-hmm. through the diastasis. Even though I had a six pack, I had an eight pack when I was on stage every single time. And no one would know that I had it. However, I could feel it internally more so than anything else. Yeah. My surgery went really well. I recovered from it. I was The nerve endings took like eight months to heal from it, though. Mm-hmm. And I was sleeping on a couch sideways for two months afterwards. So Dyson Rectai is a unique one. And women out there, by the way, after you guys 
do go through pregnancy, start healing it ASAP once the doctor clears you because healing it afterwards, after several months, is probably not going to happen and it's going to require surgery. So Yeah, I like that um, you can kind of talk about that from a first-ish hand experience. That's kind of that's kind of interesting. I can't say I've ever been through pregnancy, but um, I but did have- a surgery similar to a cesarean. Very true. And I did have an epidural when I was 17. So I'm like halfway to pregnancy, I guess. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to number 11. Uh, benzonotate. Benzonotate. So Tesalon or Tesalon yeah. pearls. So right. um, this is a type of uh, alpha um, antagonist, I believe, in the CNS that can suppress the cough reflex. Um, I didn't know that it was so commonly prescribed, but... Um, you know, you don't want to have zero coughing because you want to clear your, like, some degree of mucus. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, a lot of times if you get prescribed this, you're just coughing too much and uh, to the point where it can affect your sleep. So let's say you take it before you sleep. That's an underrated medication. Curious, have you ever had someone that has coughed so hard over time that they broke a rib? Yes. Okay, because I've actually broken a rib by coughing so hard one time. So it's not the most fun of situations. And there's nothing that you can do about it. Just suck it up and... Correct. <laughs> Incentive spirometry and try to not get a pneumonia. Mm. Yep. It's not really helping the rib pain, but that's what you do. <laughs> Speaking of pain, uh, mental depression, Xanax. Uh, Xanax, I guess we'll have to say um, overrated just because it's prescribed so often. Um, that being said, if someone has like a panic disorder for flying and they can't step foot on an airplane, then there, um, there's probably too much of a stigma against Xanax or benzodiazepines. Um, it is good that the public is more well aware of the side effects of chronic heavy GABA agonist use of any sort, including Xanax and other benzodiazepines. Sure. So you're going with overrated. Overrated. Okay. Agreed. Man, I'm going to butcher some of these. Fexmid. I'm going to go with some of the some of the pharmaceutical names instead. It's easier for me to pronounce. Uh, cyclobenzaprine. Yeah, so this is this is Flexeril. So cyclobenzaprine. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I'd say hmm. I suppose this is kind of similar to a category of gabapentin where there is other uses where you can use cyclobenzaprine. It's kind of the go-to muscle relaxer yep. for urgent care docs and walk-in clinic docs. And um, for a patient that's having, uh, let's say like back muscle spasms or whatnot, it can make a profound difference. And maybe that's the difference between them wanting a script for a more powerful pain med that can potentially be, um, has like induced physiologic dependence. So I'll say underrated. Okay, so I'm actually gonna add some input in here from the performance standpoint. So Flexeril, from a performance standpoint and a rehabilitation standpoint, is much more effective for rehabbing any type of injury, especially disc injuries where you have compression of the discs, to relax the muscles, to truly rehab the muscles mm -hmm. so that you don't have to rely on like, I hate, I hate hearing about back surgeries. Now, the, the technology is yeah. coming really far, so I'm not trying to put it down. But um, when you have a compressed disc and a herniated disc, you can definitely heal them. And you need to unlock the muscles and rehab that area. Mm -hmm. And it's been, Flexeril is a drug that is extremely efficient at allowing you to at least start to rehab it. So, mm -hmm. all right. Azithromycin, z -Pack. 
Yeah, so azithromycin is a macrolide antibiotic. Um, it is great at what it is good at. So by the way, it's an anti-inflammatory. So if you have an inflammatory viral infection and you take a Z-pack, you'll feel better. Um, there are not many intracellular causes of bacterial sinusitis. So azithromycin or any macrolide for sinusitis, way overrated. For an intracellular bacterial infection, let's say you have something odd like a, a mycobacterium, and then it is underrated. So curious, could you give us some examples, just in layman's terms, of different bacteria that you you would use it for where it would be underrated, and then certain instances where it'd be overrated, just more popular viruses or bacteria, well, bacteria, I guess. Yeah, certainly. So a lot of respiratory infections have intracellular causes. So like Mycobacterium pneumoniae, uh, Mycobacterium kansasi, um, Helicobacter pylori. That's not an interest. It's not really an intracellular bacteria. It's a spirochete. But macrolides are often part of a uh, a cocktail or a triple or quad therapy for H. pylori. Um, some gut infections. Um, some infections um, that. Um, you know, like are resistant to other things like chlamydia, um, azithromycin can work quite well for, or doxycycline. Um, there's other uh, intracellular bacteria like listeria, um, but depending on where you are, there's um, one emerging uh, cause of infection called um, mycobacterium genitalium, or, or sorry, mycoplasm, mycoplasm genitalium, mycoplasm G. And um, on paper, because it's intracellular, you think that azithromycin would be excellent. In the southeast of the United States, and then also Asia, um, and like different places epidemiologically have much higher rates of resistant mycoplasm genitalium, but it can be a particularly hard one to eradicate. I include it on all my um, like general health screen STI panels, so every one to two years, every individual who is uh, really probably everybody is sexually active unless they have the same partner and they've both been screened and, you know, let's say that they've been exclusive to each other for 10 years. Yeah. At that point, no need to keep screening for STIs. But for most individuals, say between the ages of 18 and 40, very reasonable to get that just with your routine labs. At some point I should post my panel on my website. Yeah. I think that's a really good idea. Not, I, not to order though. Have your own doctor order. <laughs> but just This is just the stuff that I order. The number one prescribed antibiotic at my college was ZPAC. So a uh, fun fact, if you're positive for chlamydia, and even if you're negative for Neisseria gonorrhea, uh, that's obviously gonorrhea, um, then often you co-treat. And also if it's a college student, most of the times you do a single dose of two grams because if you forget to take the other ones, then that's what leads to antibiotic resistance. That's why um, some strains of gonorrhea are resistant to multiple antibiotics, even rocephin. Rocephin is a third generation cephalosporin, also known as ceftriaxone, which is usually used to co-treat. So yeah, um, now I guess in most college towns, the urgent care stack of two grams of azithromycin one time and a uh, intramuscular injection of rocephin or ceftriaxone, um, they keep increasing the dose to kind of try to overcome the resistance. So it's gone up from like 250 to 500, oh, no. 750. But anyway, that's kind of um, the the go-to stack these days. Interesting. Yeah, that was uh, always like, I knew the go-to was always 
one day or like one serving of like a Z pack. And that was like the number one prescribed mm-hmm. thing at my school, like overall. And weirdly enough, this is one opioids, I think were a different classification of drug. I think it went up by the time I was graduating mm-hmm. college and cough syrup. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, STIs like that, that is one of the cases where the physician can and should co-treat the partner. In general, they need to have like a chart and whatever record. That way they're just not kind of like randomly sending medications, but it's very, and partners too. So any partner that could have been exposed since the last negative test, you co-treat all those partners empirically and you can just send the meds without a visit. So um, that's a public health intervention that Hmm. is not done as often as it should. I didn't realize that was a thing. I thought they would literally would have to go into the clinic to do it. Mm -hmm. That's what most clinics have you do because you get a copay. Whereas if you co-treat partners, you're digging through like two or three different charts and doing all that work for free. But um, I'm just the messenger. So that's all I'll say about that. Very cool. I didn't know that was a thing. Where are we at now? That was a Z-Pack. All right, Lipitor. Lipitor, um, I'd say... Um, among physicians, Lipitor is, uh, overrated among, uh, by the way, Lipitor is a statin. It's a, it's a torvastatin. It's one of the um, oldest statins. Um, it is lipophilic. So uh, non-hydrophilic. It's not one of my go-tos mainly because I like, uh, rosuvastatin's properties better. Um, but it can be a high dose statin. Um, statins have kind of been demonized. Um, that being said, if you start a high dose statin, which is Lipitor 40 or 80 milligrams or a suvastatin 20 or 40 milligrams, um, it has great data on secondary prevention. So if you've had a heart attack or a stroke before, um, it can be quite good for stabilizing any plaque that might be in various arteries like the carotid or the, um, coronaries. Um, that being said, I think there's better choices most of the time. And there's a whole lot of generic lipid meds. So, um, yeah, among physicians. A uh, bit overrated, maybe in the populace, a bit underrated. Kind of hard to say. One interesting case where atorvastatin is definitely <clears throat> underrated, brain tumors, including benign <clears throat> brain tumors, because it is lipophilic, then it is theoretically a lot better than non-lipophilic statins because it's going to get into those tissues and lead to less cell turnover. Very interesting. All right. We're on to... I actually didn't ever know the generic name for this. Cetirizine or Zyrtec, which is number 16. Yeah. Cetirizine or Zyrtec. Um, yeah, I suppose I, it's one of my favorite antihistamines. So it is a non-drowsy antihistamine. It's not perfectly selective, but you have your H1 blocker, which is like Cetirizine. You have your H2 blockers, which are like famotidine. And um, there is cases for this. You have your um, histamine one, two, three blockers, the third histamine channel. There's also agonists at it, like, uh, patolosant, which is weight kicks, which is a, a narcolepsy med or a hypersomnolence med. Um, and then Benadryl, of course, blocks all three. I'd say it's a, it's really neither underrated or overrated. It's good at what it does, but, um, if you're taking it all the time, then perhaps you should address some, some more of the root causes. There are people that just have strong genetic predispositions, but it's not necessarily uh, like if you have a strong atopic and allergic predisposition through allergy season, it is reasonable to be on cetirizine throughout. So there is a really good allergy relief medicine 
that, well, not medicine, that's over the counter. It's called Allergy Relief System. It has quercetin. And I forgot what the other gel tablet is in it, mm-hmm. but you can take it like five times a day and it really has no negative impact. And I live in Georgia where it's some of the worst allergies you can ever have. People are like, oh, I don't have allergies. They move down to Georgia and they're like, I yeah. can't breathe. <laughs> so that has been amazingly effective for me, especially when I was doing the tier zero tech a day and completely yep. probably depleted my DAO. Yeah, so. that's certainly helpful. So addressing from multiple vectors rather than just hammering your high dose uh, H1 blocker. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.